Welcome back. I'm Carolyn Stain, and you're listening to Classic Lunch, proudly brought to you by First for Women Insurance. Well, every day this month here on Classic 1027, I've been featuring women who I would describe as fearless. And I'm sure you will agree that my guest today is most certainly that, fearless. She's the first female president and CEO of the South African Medical Research Council, She's the chair of the Research Committee on COVID-19, and she's world-renowned in her research in HIV vaccines and interventions to prevent mother-to-child transmission of HIV. In 2017, Time magazine named her as one of the 100 most influential people in the world. Earlier this year, Forbes Africa recognized her as one of Africa's most powerful 50 women. And in 2012, she was awarded South Africa's highest honor, the Order of Mapungubwe. I'm talking about South African physician, scientist, and activist, the phenomenal Professor Glenda Gray. And I'm just so honored to have her as my guest here on Classic Lunch this afternoon. Hello, Professor Gray. Good afternoon, Carolyn. It's wonderful to be here and to talk to you today. Uh, Professor, you're a Boxburg girl. Um, tell us about your childhood growing up as a young girl in Boxburg. What were your hopes and your dreams? Well, I came from a big family and we were poor, uh, a poor family. And I think what I wanted to do was to always make sure that uh, I got out of the ghetto. So as from a young kid, we were told that education was important and that the only way we could get out of poverty uh, was to better ourselves, to study and, and go to university. So all my life, um, I, I loved books. I read books all the time. I would go to the library and uh, spend my holidays at home reading um, book after book, a book a day um, in my pajamas. And when did you first decide you wanted to become a doctor? And what made you decide to specialize in pediatrics? I think as a young kid, I had uh, an innate feeling that um, I was going to be a doctor um, I, I guess the first time I, I decided was I was swinging on a gate watching a vet deliver a breech car and he looked up to me and said, um, are you going to be a vet one day? And I said, no, I'm going to look after uh, real, real babies and um, <laughs> become a doctor. So I, I kind of, um, I, know, I, I think that it, it kind of was an innate feeling um, that resonated with me from a little girl. What university did you go to? I went to the Wits University. Wits University, um, okay. And you've really risen to the very top of your profession. What do you feel was the biggest stumbling block in getting to where you wanted to go as a woman? I think it's overcoming your, finding your voice. I think the most important thing is to find your voice and, and not to uh, be intimidated uh, by class or by gender. You know, coming from Boxburg, uh, we, we don't speak the right English. And uh, when I went to university, it took me a long time to to achieve because um, I had not come, I'd come from a government school with no maths teachers and you're competing with people that have come from Rodin and St. John's. And so it takes a lot of time to find your, your step and um, and to find your, your, your courage. And I think the important thing I would you know say is that it doesn't matter where you come from. And how you feel when you first start studying, you know, eventually you will catch up and you will soon outperform uh, the very people that um, you, you know, you find yourself 
um, in, the, in, a, in your class and who were doing so much better than you. Well, you certainly found a voice and you're not intimidated by politicians either, we can tell. Yes, yeah, sometimes my kids always uh, say to me, you know, mom, you um, always you open your mouth to change your feet, your foot. Mm. Um, Professor, it's Women's Month here in South Africa and one of the biggest issues on all our minds right now is the gender-based violence and femicide crisis in our country. How do you think we could try to solve it? Do you think we can? I mean, I think we have to look at the, the patriarchal structure of our, of, our, of our country, of our families. We see a lot of um, discrimination against women in families, um, at schools, at universities and institutions. And a lot of the, a lot of gender issues are, 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 you know, are institutionally based and we have to start calling them out and, um, and, sh- and showing um, uh, society what's wrong. You know, so often um, in families, you know, girls are, are always um, expected to clean up and do the dishes and um, boys are not even made, expected to be making their beds. And you're really at that level start in implementing and institutionalizing a, a gender difference. And I think we have to change the way we see boy children and girl children and the way we teach boys and girls and the, and the way we, um, are, we are treated in the workplace. And so we have to start calling out um, unfair practices and discriminatory practices and address some of the subliminal feelings um, that that are in place in institutions around women. I know our listeners want to hear about um, the, the the other challenge that we face at the moment um, around the world, and that's the COVID nineteen pandemic. What are your thoughts on where we are right now in terms of overcoming it? We 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 all very confused. I think, you know, I've been at home for five months, over five months. I have not left once. My husband is a type one diabetic. He's of a certain age. So I really don't want to come back home with this little virus. Yeah, this country, you know, when, when our COVID-19 started in our country, we never knew what the natural history would be. And we didn't know how it would affect our populace. We have lots of HIV and TB infected people in South Africa. We have huge comorbidities like diabetes, hypertension and obesity and so we didn't know how this epidemic would would um, would unravel um, our country we also had a very fragile health system and so um, we went in not knowing a lot I think that we've managed to to slow down transmission and I feel we've seen our first peak and um, I hope that um, we won't have another peak because it was terrifying and that what we have to do is continue to implement the non-pharmaceutical interventions like physical distancing, um, wearing masks, washing your hands, and keeping vulnerable people um, away so away from uh, direct transmission. And so I think that uh, the way the epidemic unfolds further in South Africa depends a lot on us and how we implement the interventions. It's difficult because uh, for a lot of people, um, COVID-19 is will be an asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic illness. But for a group of people, it will be devastating and tragic and people will die uh, mm. from, from this virus. And so it's trying to, to balance the two, while at the one hand, we know who are the susceptible people and the other hand, we know to do better. And so what we have to try and do is try and manage um, the economy and manage the, the issues that, uh, that face even if people even like your husband. You're quite right to, to know that he is vulnerable and that... Um, you have to protect him.
Mm. But even somebody like my assistant, whose twin brother died recently at the age of 38 of COVID-19, um, it's so, so frightening. So I always say, you know, I'm here at home. I've served five months of a two-year sentence. But I want to know, Dr. Gray, is there going to be a vaccine anytime soon? So there's a race to find a vaccine. And at the moment, there are about four studies that are, are entering into efficacy studies where we look at the effectiveness of the vaccine. And if any of these work, you know, our first readout will be in early January, February next year. If this works, then obviously we have to apply for emergency registration and um, and um, hopefully get access to, 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 the, to the doses. We need billions and billions of doses, and that's why we need more than one vaccine to work. The more vaccines that work, uh, the more affordable it will be and the more vials there will be to deliver to um, the globe. Everyone in, in the world needs this vaccine or needs access to it because any region that doesn't have access will, um, will, 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 create a, a, will, will create vulnerability on the other side of the globe. So everybody needs this vaccine, irrespective of where you're coming from. And we send our kids to school? We've seen at a global level where um, we have a very good understanding of um, the epidemic. And we've seen that largely young children are spared from severe side effects or from, from death from this virus. And so we do know that um, children who get infected will, will probably have a mild disease unless they have cancer or, or a congenital heart disease or some severe comorbidity. But, but largely, young children and school-going children are going to be well. And our job is to, is to minimize transmission or de-risk transmission at schools. Our job is to make sure we know which are the teachers that have comorbidities, which are the old teachers, and keep them out of the front line of teaching and get them to play supportive roles. And so we do need to get our kids back to school. Um, we can't keep them out of school for two years. Um, not having children in school has a devastating knock-on effect um, on, to all levels of society. And the longer kids stay out of school, the harder it is to, to get them into school, particularly if they, are, if they come from poor backgrounds. Professor, you're such an inspiration and you've really inspired so many women through your integrity and your absolute fearlessness in the fight against both HIV and COVID-19. But I want to know, who is the fearless woman that inspires Professor Glenda Gray? Well, I think I have two daughters that I have to always, um, that always look up at me and who I have to answer to. And so um, they are my, my, my moral compass and I, I have to practice what I preach. I have, if I teach them to be fearless, I have to be fearless. And so I always use my, my two daughters as my, my yardstick for integrity and honesty and fearlessness. Because if I, if I can't uh, teach, if I talk about liberation and women's liberation and, uh, and, and not embody that, then how do I ever expect them to navigate their lives as young girls. And are they following in mum's footsteps in the medical field? My one daughter is, a, is studying to be a medical anthropologist. So she's interested in women scientists and how they navigate uh, their lives in laboratories in, in working with t tuberculosis. And my other daughter's in her gap year and she is interested in, in literature, English literature. And uh, she finds herself at home. She didn't take a gap year when she left school. And she thought that she would be traveling in India this year, teaching, um, learning about yoga and becoming a yoga teacher. 
and she finds herself now at home doing online courses and um, and um, being being quite uh, frustrated that her her life has been put on hold uh, by this epidemic. Mm-hmm. I think it's time for some music, don't you? Perhaps your daughter can be playing this music while doing her yoga. <laughs> I've been asking all of my guests this month to select a song or a piece of music that's meaningful to them, and you have chosen Respect, um, sung by Aretha Franklin. Why this particular song? Well, this is a song that actually my daughters and I love to dance to, and often you know, we will put on a, some music. And I, I love her because not only is she the queen of soul, but um, this song had global influence. And it's um, it's about uh, being a feminist. It's a it's a it was a landmark for for the feminist movement, and it was about you know giving giving women respect. Um, you know, saying that women women um, it's an appeal for dignity. It's an appeal to be heard to 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 have dignity. And it was also important not only for for feminists but also for and women's liberation. But it also came at, at a time with um, with with civil rights in in America and and the, the and um, the importance of 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 civil rights and also women's liberation because you can't have civil rights without women's liberation as well. And Arita um, said this in her song, and um, and it has a global appeal uh, for for people who. Are looking for respect and, and are appealing for dignity. Okay, well, let's take a listen to Aretha Franklin with R E S P E C T. That was Respect, R E S P E C T by Aretha Franklin. And that was the choice of my very, very special guest on today's show, Professor Glenda Gray. Uh, Professor, we began our conversation this afternoon talking about your childhood growing up in Boxburg. If you could go back in time for one brief moment with the benefit of hindsight, what would you tell the young Glenda Gray? I think I'd cut her a little bit of slack. You know, I would tell her to um, have some fun and not always be so serious and um, to to, um, find a little bit of uh, work-life balance and that everything is going to be all right and that, uh, you know, have some humour, have some fun and um, not always be so serious. And if you had one piece of advice for the women of South Africa, what would that be? To believe in yourself, to believe in your passions, not give up on your dreams and always know that if you if you feel passionate about things, magic will happen. And to to listen to your, your inner voice and um, even though, uh, times are dark and friends will be few. Eventually, um, you will you will survive and you will overcome. And and to have courage and uh, never to give up fighting for what you believe in. Thanks so much for agreeing to come onto the show this afternoon. We could talk for hours, but I know that you're very very busy. So we really appreciate your time. And I hope we get to meet one another in person soon once that vaccine has arrived. For sure. And look after your husband and practice non-pharmaceutical interventions. Keep that mask on, keep the distance and wash your hands. Thank you. That was the president and CEO of the South African Medical Research Council, the inspirational, the formidable, uh, the at times controversial for some, but the always fearless Professor Glenda Gray.